0: hotel link prepaid call from an inmate at a Colorado correctional facility
1: Welcome to Hell or High Water, a multi-series podcast about a brother and sister struggling to be reunited despite the brother's 165-year prison sentence. This story is told firsthand through 20-minute phone conversations between Elisa and Nathan. Topics in this episode may be hard for some audiences to hear, so listener discretion is advised. In this episode, Elisa encourages Nathan to discuss his first 10 years in prison, which started with an encounter he had with another inmate that got Nathan thrown into solitary confinement. We hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, all right, cool. So we're recording. Um, all right. Happy Friday. How are you doing?
0: Oh, good, good. I'm uh, just got my workout done, and uh, I'm, I'm, I do it on an empty stomach in the mornings. And uh, I, feel, I feel pretty good after.
1: Oh, good. Okay, right on. Well, it's a beautiful day. The sun is shining over here, which is nice. I'm going to go outside, get some vitamin D today, hopefully. Um, but now that all the pleasantries are out of the way, um, just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, I wanted to... So we left off yesterday, or sorry, not yesterday, but we left off last week um, with the question of, you know, what you would say to your 17-year-old self now if you saw him come into prison yeah. and and that was a pretty powerful reflection i think and you know in the past that first 10 years of your sentence um you know we didn't see each other we didn't see each other and for a lot of that time we really we weren't even allowed to talk and it was just uh letters uh-huh. back and forth between us and i remember that being particularly hard for me One of the biggest things is, I think I forgot, I started to forget what you looked like. You know how memories, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I need, and I remember it was probably, maybe, it was right before we started getting visits in 2010. I think it was 2008 or 2009, and you were actually sending me the first photo of you no, and got out of solitary confinement
0: uh-huh. after about ten years, and you can't take pictures there. Yeah, and,
1: uh, and that was. You know, was kind of like
0: a... Go ahead. Well, yeah, it's just it's. it's uh, uh, I think I might have sent you a, a mug I think you could ask your case manager for your mugshot if we're going to open a bank account. And I think I lied, saying yeah, I need to open a bank account, just so I could get my mugshot sent to you.
1: Is that the? Oh, I think. I thought I was actually just going through my pictures yesterday because I was looking up for a picture of mom that I can't find, unfortunately. But I think it's a picture of you. It's when you have it's the longest your hair's ever been. Actually, you have about four inches of hair on your head, but you look real young and you're smiling and you've got a little little goatee and mustache action and a, a slightly slightly more slender frame than. The broadness of your physique in this very moment in time. Um, but I remember getting in trouble from the mailman because I knew, I was like, okay, that, that photo is coming. It's coming in the mail. And I watched like a hawk for that photo every single day. And I remember chasing him down. Like he was like three streets away. And I was like, hey, man, you got the mail for 805 and a half 5th Street? I was like, I, I just, I know, I I got a picture in there. Can I just get it now? And he was like, if you don't, Stop harassing me. He's like, I'm going to have to call the police. Like, this is like a federal offense. Like, this has got to be a crime. Oh, you need I'm to leave me sure. alone. And I was just like, I just want my picture. <laughs> I was having a breakdown. I don't mean I
0: stressed out. Those oh, those. Guys that go That's why it's me? called that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I should have known never to fuck with the postman. Um, uh, those,
0: like, but I want to.
1: <laughs> I wanted, though, to ask you, you know, moving from our last conversation about. Um, what it was like your first day in prison and and kind of how you settled in, let's talk about that first 10 years. And, you know, through our conversations over the past, you know, 15 years or so, I guess we've only really been talking for 10 years, but through letters and everything, you know, you've expressed to me, like, the politics, the prison politics on the inside, and and not just the politics, but the culture. And I've you've explained to me The dynamic between inmates, convicts, uh, guards and inmates, um, relationships, uh, so much that I don't think people understand what it is like in there, what you have to do to survive in multiple different ways. And depending on the length of your sentence, you know, where you go and how you serve your time. And so I was hoping that maybe we could talk a little bit today about about that, that first 10 years before we had our first visit.
0: Well, I think uh, everybody probably has a different survival uh, you know, message, you, you know what I mean? People, people respond in different ways. To prison, okay, you know, but then people respond in different ways to get a life sentence in prison, you know what I mean? Like, like, getting more time than you can do, it, uh, there's, there's, there's really no extra sentencing they don't be like, hey, by the way, this is how you, you they leave that up to you. You know what I mean? They, they don't tell you how to deal with it. You know, I've seen people go every different way. Some, some people, uh, you know what I mean? They they get lost in drugs, or, or they fantasize about a state or they they go down the rabbit hole of violence or gang culture or what? You know what I mean? You got all these things waiting to grab your attention because everything who you just were, it's destroyed. It's over. Uh, all your plans, all your hopes. You know, especially as a young kid, you mean, you probably have plans and hopes. Yet, so you don't know, you don't know what the hell you're gonna do. And uh, you know the way the way I dealt with it. Uh, you know, I just, its minute to minute, I, I just i just shut down after I got the sentence. You know, I just shut down. And at the same time, you know, I'm trying to, you know, navigate all, all the rules in, in prison, you know. And, uh, you, you, you know, for for me, it's just I got caught up in the violence of, of prison. You, you know what I mean? It's like not, uh, you know, when I was in juvenile home, I, I used to have a healthy fear of getting in fights. You know what I mean? It hurts getting punched in the face. It hurts getting beat up. And I used to have a healthy fear. now I'd go and do it. You know what I mean? Win, lose, all. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. But losing our mom, and then um, getting you know 160 years, ago, I just didn't have that healthy fear anymore. And, and like, I wanted to get, I wanted to get into shit. You know what I mean? It, it just it was a, it was a huge distraction. And um, so when I was in the Denver County Jail with a bunch of guys who were all fighting murder cases, you know, they're all in their thirties. And I just got convicted, and, and uh, you know, there was uh, the 20 minutes of the news every night was dedicated to this guy uh, who had uh, sexually assaulted some 12-year-old girl in the basement of a church. And then a week after that, he had sexually assaulted some 14-year-old girl right in her middle school during class hours in the gym. Hours. So, you know, the first 20 minutes of the news I was dedicated to this guy, and I was over here and all these older guys' conversations talking about, yeah, this piece of shit, man, you know, this motherfucker, and this and that. And I just got the sense that, you know, anybody who molests children or or is a rapist, you know what I mean, harms women and children, that's who all these guys hated, right? And and, uh, the way they talked about it, like, like, the courts don't get justice for these... No, we do. No, they were trying to make themselves seem noble. Mm. There's some nobility in this form of violence. You know what I mean? Like, it's a good thing to do. It's a credit to your character if you... Hurt somebody that rapes a child, a mother child, this and that, you know what I mean? It's just, I'm over here in all these conversations, and of course my awareness has just been destroyed. You know I mean? like I'll latch on to anything. I'm just a desperate person, and, 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 and I just, I don't know what to do with the next 100 years, you know what I mean? I'm hearing all these conversations, and these guys are making a pact. They're like, yeah, let's all agree. If this dude comes here, you know what I mean? The first guy who has an opportunity to attack this guy, let's do it, let's make this pact. And they are like, yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. And they asked me, the, hey, youngster, you, you know what I mean, you good with that? And uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. You know, didn't really know what I was signing up for. But, you know, I'm here, and I just got to hire to see, You know what I mean? I'm not thinking about morality. My morality hasn't even fully developed yet. And now I'm being exposed to this new morality, which is, this is a good thing. This guy deserves whatever he gets, you know. And so, uh, without going into too much detail here, you know, because it's hard to talk about. But, uh. I ended up being the guy that had an opportunity. You know, all these older guys put me in a position to, you know, to hurt this guy who was really popular on the news for molesting kids and, and raping kids. And I just wasn't scared anymore. Like, uh, uh, this is the craziest thing I had ever done, just, just going to attack somebody with really bad intent, you know. And, and, and I had, I wanted to earn my time in some stupid way. I was like, man, I just got 160 years for, you know, carjacking and, and, uh, felt like I, well, I I have a green light like, to be the worst person I could possibly be now. I mean, what's, what's to stop me? I'm not protecting an outdate or anything. You know, that, that was my thinking. And so, uh, the, you know, the morning of the opportunity that these guys put me in, I, you know, I, I, I hurt this guy, you know, pretty severely. And, and, uh, I got sent straight to my first prison after being convicted was Colorado State Penitentiary, which is a solitary confinement facility. And, uh, you know, if you if you get in trouble, you get right up. You hurt somebody. You know, you bring in drugs or all this shit. It's, it's the whole for the whole state, and that's uh, where the death house is at. That's where death row is at, and that's where I went. And I stayed there for the next eleven years. And um, so, you know, my first my first decade in prison was by myself. I didn't come out uh, except for an hour and a day hall. I never came out without handcuffs on. I never seen the sun. I never shook hands with anybody. I never sat down at a table and played cards. I sat in my cell, uh, the size of a small bathroom, for, uh, you know, about 10 years. So, you know, just,
1: uh, how long into your sentence did the attack occur?
0: Immediately. I was still in the county jail. I hadn't come to prison yet. I had just, I had just got all this time, you know, 72 years, and, and I got 48 more years, and, and uh, and uh, uh, that's how I coped with it. I went crazy. I just uh, uh, didn't think about what I was doing. wasn't scared. I should have been scared. You know, I'm, uh, I'm locked out of my cell. You know, the way this shit happened. You know, I got out of my cell. I'm locked out of my cell. They don't know. I got a dummy in my bed, and I'm waiting in a hidden area so I can catch this guy who's going to court. He has three sheriffs around him, escorting him to court. So I have to attack him right in front of all these cops. The sane, rational me would be like, man, there's four big-ass cops here. Uh, How can I possibly get to this guy before they tackle me? And what happens if they see me out of my cell? The consequences no longer applied to me. I was a walking dead person with no future. And so I did not care about any consequences, any chances I was taking. And uh, right away, I mean, that was my ultimate response immediately to getting all this time. I just... And I just I just got taken up on, 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 on that violence, you know, and and uh you know, I spent the next ten years in, in solitary confinement and uh uh so I didn't really get to go to a child hall yet or to go and be around uh, anybody. I went straight to the cell by myself and and that's how I started, you know, really developing uh the you know I started planting the seeds for the kind of person I was going to be, I guess in prison, but, but my first ten years I developed bad I, I didn't I didn't develop very well i didn't i didn't I didn't
1: cope very well. It's interesting to me because you know, I think for myself, at least in the beginning, not knowing what prison is like and not having the communication with you that you know, maybe in the early stages of our understanding of prison that it is some type of rehabilitation but I don't know how many people can relate now or understand that that's just not what prison is anymore and specifically for your situation I mean like it doesn't to me it didn't matter having a 17 year old kid going into an adult prison like they there was no hope for you there was no like let's you know maybe we should put this kid somewhere where he can you know, get better. I mean, when you go into that environment, it's just over for you. I mean, even, like, those men, those men looked at you and were like, yeah, do you want to be a part of this? And to me, that just, it makes me so mad. I can't expect them to say or do anything else because of the type of people, I can't, I mean, you know, I can't speak on them. their character, but, well, when they, uh, yeah. You
0: know, when I were my age, they had to earn their respect. And you know that's know I mean? the like, thing. Like, it's
1: like, what if you had said no? I mean, you I can't imagine every decision...
0: That's the thing that, that bothers me about this, sis, is that I could have. I just, now I know that. You know, I, I, I could have. You know, no matter what direction you're standing in on the Earth, you have to turn your back on half the world. You know what I mean? No matter what direction you're standing, your back is turned on half the world. So, take your ground. And I just... I didn't have the wherewithal, the maturity. And by the same token, you know, with uh, Caress, you know, I could have not stole her car. I could have not, you know what I mean? I, I, I could have not done that robbery, you know, but I did. You had 60 seconds remaining. And, and uh, you know, that, that power of choice, you, you know what I mean, is something that I didn't mature to and didn't own up to until much later. You know what I mean? uh, uh well, those first 10 years of solitary confinement, I had the best years of my life. And yeah, so, you know, that hard truth was looked at with everything else. And those 10 years, just sitting there thinking for a decade, you know, you think about that. And, and uh, uh you have 30 seconds you Yeah, I ran out of juice there. I said 30 seconds, but I figured out that you
1: couldn't That's okay. I think we should continue this conversation, though. Um Okay. Uh, yeah, next week, let's just pick up where we left off, and, um, there's a lot more to this, and I, there's a lot of questions that I have, so, until next time, I love you, um, and if you would just...